in a perfect world when you can express your feelings without due penalty, would you punch Shawn Michaels right in the kisser? Yes. Nice. Very nice. Welcome back to the world's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty DeFaro. And here's our special guest, Mr. Ahmad Johnson. How are you, sir? Did you always have a problem with your weight? I mean, obviously, you were built like a brick house. I get that, right? But, you know, most heavy lifters like yourself... We all fall into, I don't want to put myself in this category, I'm just saying. I got it, big dude too much. Um, That's fine. Weight is a problem. Have you always battled with your weight from a younger person till now? Yes, it it, it took, you know, time to get down to small as I was. So, it, it, was I stopped, I mean, I stopped working out for a little while and it just like bloomed, man. Mm. Because I wasn't touching any weights. What was the heaviest you got? The heaviest I got, I would say close to 500. Get Holy the f- cow. Wow. Get out. Yeah. And what are you at now? Because you look great. You do. You look fantastic. Uh, now I'm, I'm down to like three. Three. Wow. You look great, man. Congratulations. Keep it up, man. Thank How's you. How's your uh, blocking ability? You want to play for the Jets by any chance? <laughs> what do you think about Rodgers being there? Oh, I love it. Were you kidding me? He's telling me not to say the magic words of, you know, SB, that last game of the season. I'm not allowed to say it, but I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking pretty big right now. I'm pretty happy about it. Why don't you weigh in on that? Ooh. What are your thoughts? How far are our New York Jets going to go? Um, I think they might make it to the playoffs. Might? <laughs> oh, wow, what a glowing. Yeah, they, they might make it. What do you mean, might? What is this might stuff? We won seven games with a high school quarterback last year. Aaron Rodgers Wait, is you, not going to get correct. us in the playoffs? I, I must correct myself on that. Then they will be in the playoffs. I feel Thank like you. that. That's better. You see but, that? That, you know, that's the problem. But this is not, wasn't just a be in a playoff move. You know what I mean? Well, I tell you what. You got to start somewhere. So let's start with winning our division and getting in the playoffs. Right. Win a round. And we'll see what happens. How's that sound? All right, let's let's address the elephant in the room. Why are you wearing a Red Sox jersey yeah. right now? What's up with that? Well, a fan sent it to me. <laughs> okay. And, and like I told you before, I don't even know anybody on the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> but a fan sent it to me, and it was a great gift, man. So I, I wore it. They sent me the hat, a uh, big collector's book, and everything. Okay. Nice. Is it comfy? The jersey's comfy? Yeah, we're very gonna, comfy. We're going to have to send you some New York stuff, man. I can't have yeah, you this is going weird. on people's cool. shows wearing the Red Sox. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We gotta so last cool. time we saw you, we were like uh, COVID era and stuff. Did you avoid getting COVID at all? Yes, sir, I did. Nice. I, I never, I, I avoided it. How? I don't know, but I did. And I saw well, that I you were up in. How got there. Well, you were up in New York recently. And blessings, man. All right, good. That's the way it should be. 
You up in New York recently? How did that go? All the signings. How does how is it seeing all the fans? How how was the fans' reception towards you? Oh, brother, it was great, man. I mean, New York has some of the best fans out there, and they are wrestling fanatics. So yeah, I, I did great down there, man. It, it was some something to see. How's it make you feel after all these years? You got all these people showing up to see you. You feel you must feel pretty good about your career in uh, hindsight. Yeah, you know, I, I just turned sixty, man. So I feel pretty good about it. He turned sixty. Wow, he looks fantastic. You look great. What the hell is your Thank secret? You. <laughs> what is your secret? I look like you know a corpse with with long hair. Oh my god! This you is... know, there's some stuff called um snail uh, slime stuff that you can use. What is it? And called? It's, it's been working great on me, but it's, what, it's slime from a snail. Slime from a snail. So what do you do? What, what do you do with it? You you don't put it on your wiener, do you? I mean, what do you do no. with this stuff? <laughs> Jesus Christ! You, it comes into like a little bottle, man. You just scoop some out and, and you know put it on your forehead. On your forehead, really? Not that forehead. The other day, one up top. <laughs> <laughs> well, two heads are better than one. Maybe I'll put them on both. There you hey, go. That's what they say. Ahmad, let's talk a little bit about you know. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the way this is phrased here, but, you know, a lot of people say you didn't reach your full potential. I'm paraphrasing what right. I'm reading from here. You know, your impact on the wrestling industry, though, however, as a trailblazing African-American wrestler, I don't think that should be overlooked. You had a powerful presence in a, and definitely a unique character. You left a lasting impression on the fans, as you know, you just pointed out from your New York trip. And you paved the yeah. way for future diverse representation in pro wrestling. Do you look at yourself as a trailblazer? How do you, how do you feel about the impact that you left for other African-American wrestlers? And is it overlooked? Yes, I think it is. And the fact that I opened the door for it in the WWF. I was the first one to open the door for it. I mean, I think it's being overlooked. You know, one reason because Vince is still mad at me for when I left. You know, and the second reason he told me that he was going to erase me from history. Hmm. Can I ask you what sort of argument there was? I, I I know it's personal, and I don't know how much of it you've divulged in the past, but if you can possibly answer, what went down when Vince was like, I'm going to erase you forever? What sort of conversation is that? It was, well, let me give you the whole story. The true commission, you know, is from South Africa, supposedly. And he wanted me to go out and let them hang me with a rope on national television. I mean, I know it's fake and it was not real, but still, I just thought about how many little kids I would affect with that, me being hung from a rope. So we got into a little, you know, backstage argument, and I just grabbed my stuff and I left. Was there any communication from him afterwards, like, all right, things got heated, come back, or was it, that was it, it was over? No, brother, Vince ain't going to come back to you. He expects you to come back to him. But I, I'm not that tight. I wasn't going to come back to him or call him. If he wanted me, he could have called me. But, no, that, that's all my game there. So, last time you were on, we touched base on Ron Simmons very lightly. For me, as a fan, and being who you are and the incredible athlete, uh, Ron Simmons was you were both driving towards a mission actually 
uh, bringing black athletes to a higher level within the World Wrestling Federation at the time. Why didn't? You, why did you two have so many problems with each other? I never understood that. Well, you know, Ron admitted on a podcast that he was on that he was jealous of me. He actually admitted that he was jealous of me. I think him being the first black world champion with WCW and then me being the first black champion with WWF, I think he thought he was going to get that honor. And here I am, a kid basically coming off the streets and, you know, doing what people tried to do for years. Were you disappointed in Ron Simmons' attitude towards this? Because after all, I would think that, especially in those days, one for all, all for one would have been the much better way to go about this rather than have a pissing contest with you. No, I think the whole nation was jealous. And they weren't the only ones. I mean, I remember when I had Yokozuna, which I slammed him, I went backstage when Vince gave me the, the match. And I told Yoko, this is like my second match there. And I told Yoko that I've got to pick him up and slam him. And then Yoko told me, well, you can go ahead, but I'm not going to jump for you. And he didn't jump at all. It was like they were trying to embarrass me, but I got him up anyway and slammed him. Wow. So Yokozuna, who was friends with all those guys, he was going out of his way to give you to, to try to make you look bad. Right, to, to make you look, you know, I couldn't do it. But he was surprised him that I got him up without his help. You know, the WWE puts together these really nice documentaries, especially on A&E recently. And, uh, you know, you, you just brought up Yokozuna. Yokozuna, sorry. Um, how was he towards you besides that one situation you just explained? Oh, after that, we had a conversation back in the locker room about it. I was pretty pissed. And um, after that point, man, we were cool from that point on. Were you disappointed at the fact of all the trash talk that's been said about you over the years? I would assume you are, but I, I, wanted, I want you to spell something out for me because when I heard this, it kind of, I wanted you to answer for yourself. I've heard it said that you did not love this business or respect this business and you just weren't into anything about wrestling. You were just cashing a check. Can you clear that up for the fans? Do you, do, what does Ahmad Johnson feel about the wrestling business, especially in those days when you were doing it? You know, the main drive I had was the fans. I mean, if it wasn't for the fans, there would be no Ahmad Johnson. Cause the way they got behind me and gave me energy and, you know, on the real, and that intensity, that just came out. That's just me. And they've been trying to duplicate that for years and haven't done it yet. But that intensity was something, man, that came from the fans and helped drive me. Uh, you teamed with Shawn Michaels, won the tag team championship. Um, that's when Shawn was probably at his worst, right? That was that was the old oh, Shawn yeah. Michaels, right? It's quite the combo, too. I'm trying to picture uh, you two backstage, like, "Hey, great match, pal." How <laughs> how was how was your relationship <laughs> with Shawn Michaels? Um, fake. I mean, he he was, you know, when you're in front of your face, he's one way, but behind your back, he's a totally different way. And that's about the time, he, you know, they start smelling themselves. And he really thought he was Captain Yao. 
So Dark Side of the Ring uh, just had its first episode with Chris Candido and Sonny. And the reason I'm yeah, bringing it, it up that. is we're just discussing Shawn Michaels. You were around at that time. Uh, yes. What was it like? Was it uncomfortable with with all the scenarios that all the fans heard about Sonny with all the wrestlers? And how did you feel about Chris Candido? And did that upset you when you saw Sonny having sex with Sean behind Candido's back and whatever else? Right. It didn't, you know, it didn't upset me because I didn't know Chris that well. But it made me, I feel sad for him, man. You know, because he knew what was going on. Don't let everybody tell you he didn't. He knew what was going on, but he didn't want to mess his position up with the company. Although they didn't use him right, I don't think. They used him as jobbers, and, and Christian Candido had ability, big-time ability. But uh, it, it just made me sad, man, to, to see a man that low. You know what I'm saying? What did that make you feel towards Shawn Michaels or maybe some of the other wrestlers, right? Because we, we've asked this question to other guys that have been in the studio, and they've had all different thoughts. Uh, I'll use uh, Scott Hall, for example. Scott Hall said, I don't get involved in anyone's problems, and it was basically Candido's issue, and he could care less, and if Sean wanted to get his, he could get his. What are your thoughts on that type of comment? Well, I, I, I agree with Scott, but the fact that it's something that you couldn't look away from, it's like a train wreck. You can't look away from it. Mm. I mean, he was doing what he did to Chris, and they didn't even try to hide it most times. Like, I remember one time I was walking down to the – in the back going to the curtain and Sonny's coming one way and Sean slaps her on her butt with Chris standing right there. So that, that was just sad, man. Did Sonny ever proposition you with your time in the WWE? No, I think she got the message that time on uh, the interview when she was rubbing oil on my chest. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. I and do. I told yes. her my mom always, yeah, and I told her my mom always told me to take trash out, never bring it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she didn't like me after that. She didn't like it, huh? Unbelievable. No, she didn't like that at all. Hey, if you had it your way, would you would in, in a perfect world when you could express your feelings without due penalty, would you punch Shawn Michaels right in the kisser? Yes. Nice, very nice. And your feelings yes. on Shawn Michaels now changing his life? Do you think that's fake? I, you know, it's hard to believe. I mean, he was such a, a, a diva. It's hard to believe that he's changed totally. But if he is, more power to him. If he's not, then he's fooling the world all over again. Thoughts on Sonny as a human being from what you know of her? Obviously, she's in jail, hopefully for life. But Ahmad Johnson's thoughts on Sonny? Well, it goes back to that interview once again. I mean, trash, you take it out, brother. You don't bring it in. And unfortunately, mm. Crick and Dito brung it in. Mm. Instead of breaking it off with her, let her do what she wanted to do. Um, I didn't believe she was a bad person all the way around, man. She wasn't Miss a good girl all the way around. Did you feel lonely, too, like a man on his own island? Again, we're just fans. You lived it. But from what we hear or you see, it just seemed like, the boys just either for whatever reason were jealous or they just didn't get along with you. Did Was that part of the problem too? You didn't feel like you were part of a family? 
Right. There was a lot of jealousy going on. And I, for one, you know, didn't care. But the fact that not one, well, one guy did, Razor Ramon, but not one guy tried to help me in the business. You know, they could have put me to the side and said, hey, I met this, that, and other. But Razor Ramon was the only one to put me to the side. After my matches, he would watch my matches behind the curtain. And he pulled me over to the side and he told me, do more of this, do less of this. To this, do more of this. I mean, he just helped me out as much as he could. Was he? And like I that? would expect that. I would expect that. You know, Farouk being a world champion and being black, that he would have done it. You know, put right. me to the side and helped me out. Right. But that never happened. It was just jealousy. Was Scott Hall like that in general with the uh, the up and coming talent? You know, or did he just you know take a liking to you? I don't think he's like that with everybody. I think he just took a liking to me. Interesting. Okay. So you just talked about Simmons not reaching out and helping you, which makes a lot of sense. Was he the same way towards like a Mark Henry who also was green at that time or even a Dwayne Johnson, or did you see him helping them? No, I never saw him helping anybody, but he probably did help him because, I mean, he wasn't jealous of them, but he was jealous of me. But uh, he probably did help them out a little bit. And, you know, that would have been so cool if he would have helped me out and talked to me, being that we were mashed up together. And it seemed like he would have pulled me to the side and talked to me about certain things, but no, he never did. It's really interesting. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts on the night that Owen Hart passed away. I know that you were, I wow. don't think you were with the company at, any, at that point when he did, but your thoughts on the night that Owen Hart obviously met his untimely demise man that broke my heart man because you talking about one funny dude one good guy back in the locker rooms that broke my heart to see you know Owen go out like that and especially because i heard the rumors that he was telling vince that he didn't want to do it that he didn't want to come down off, off the top of the ceiling like that but you know they got the ways of making you do what you got to do you think Owen Hart's wife, Martha, is doing uh, Owen Hart's legacy a little bit of a disservice not working with the WWE? She does stuff with AEW. Uh, she obviously hates the WWE. Is it a disservice, right. though, to Owen Hart himself? Well, I, I think if she got WWE, it would help her out a lot more with her situation and as far as her charity goes. But I can't blame her for hating them. Do you do you hate Vince McMahon? No, I don't hate him. I don't hate him at all. Is Vince McMahon a good person? Um, I wouldn't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say he's a good person. But I mean, I I don't hate him at all, man. Because you know he opened the door, and let me in, you know. So and I appreciate that. Do you think that in the end that a, a lot of the hatred you received or a lot of the, uh, you know, friction you got from the locker room, do you think that in the end it was because Vince McMahon himself was very supportive of pushing you and the other guys were all just a bunch of jealous? Oh, brother, you hit that right on the head. That That's exactly what it was. You hit that right on the head. Have you ever thought about possibly reaching out to a lot of your detractors and trying to like, you know, hey, Let's have a talk about this after all these years of bashing. You ever thought about trying to clear the air with some of these people, or is it just like, screw them? Well, brother, I see where you just let a dead dog lie. I don't, you know, 
believe in catching, you know, reaching out to any of them. I mean, because it was what it was and it's in the past. Mm -hmm. But if I had one question, I would ask Ron Simmons, why didn't you as a brother reach up and try to help me? If you, you know, want to criticize me a little bit, why didn't you, you know, try to help me when I was there? I know the answer. You know, he said he was jealous. And then the whole nation was jealous because, I mean, you got to see. Here this kid is coming off the streets, getting WWF, nobody knows him. And he's being pushed hard. And he became the first black Intercontinental champion. And would have became the first black world champion. You know, and they didn't appreciate that because they have been in the business for 14 years, you know, 10 years. And here this kid, they need to be in the business for a year. And he gets this kind of push. So they were very jealous. So I don't blame I don't blame him for being jealous. I probably would have been jealous too. Kevin Nash has a podcast called Click This. Um, seems to be a very intelligent guy. Uh, you talked about Scott Hall. He had a very close relationship with Kevin Nash, as you know. How is yes. Kevin Nash as a human being? Uh, Kevin seemed to be really cool, man. I mean, I didn't I didn't have any problem with Kevin. And he seemed to be a, a pretty cool dude, man. Was anybody stupid enough to test you physically behind the scenes? No. But what the thing about it is nobody did that while I was there. I mean, if you continue to talk to me, do it in my face. So let me know what's up. You know what I'm saying? So this was revealed years later. Was there. Years later, this all came out. You must have been like, what the? Yeah. Well, I'm like, let... you know, what the hell is all this all about? But they seen a, a running horse and they decided to jump on it. <laughs> you right. know, half yeah. the guys don't even know me. Especially with the internet. You could just pile on. Yep. We had D'Lo Brown on last week. Um, <laughs> he's laughing already. So D'Lo made a comment about you, which Farrell brought up earlier, that he felt that you really didn't want to be in the industry. You didn't care about the industry. It was all about yourself. And he took care of things in the locker room with you. You know as well as I do, I was trying to set up a – a call in from the great Ahmad Johnson. Read it this way. Yeah. I love um, this. And I screwed up the time. I apologize. As usual, I screw <laughs> things up. But if you were to have that call in, what would you have sent to D'Lo last week? Damn. I first would have asked him, what is the definition of beating somebody up? You know, I've never been. First of all, if I've been beat up in the locker room, you guys would have known all about it, being sure, you know, in podcasts and you're in the business and you know all the little secrets and traits. It would have got out to you guys and the other podcasts so quick, or the Facebook in it so quick, if Dilo had beat me up in the locker room. I just like to know where did he get the thing that he beat me up at. This is what I don't understand. Is it a wrestling thing? You 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 have these feelings about Ron. I'm I'm not trying to speak for you, but I'm sure as a young guy in the business, you know who Ron Simmons is. Yeah. You know what he meant for the business. Yeah. You have this opportunity to work with him, and you see there's a problem. How come you guys can't talk in the locker room and say, hey, man, what's the issue here? Well, we, we could have talked in the locker room. I was willing to do that. But, you know, once he gave me that kick and, and lacerated my kidney, and then I hear him saying, you know, after I left, I hear him saying that he did it on purpose because he was jealous. Ooh. I mean, that really burns me up, man. Ooh. Does it hurt you personally that he said that, that he tried to finish you on purpose? 
Oh, yeah, that devastated me, man. I mean, I wasn't expecting to hear that. You know, especially from another uh, black wrestler. I wasn't expecting to hear that at all, man. Did you try contacting Ron after he went public with that, like, to reach out to him? Like, what the hell is this? No. I mean, they, they all got their, their versions of the story. You listen to Mark Henry's story. Uh, I hurt Farouk first by breaking his ribs. No, I didn't. I got the kick first. And if you look at um, the street fight with me and the Road Warriors, I slammed through a table. And, yeah, I tried to hurt him. So I broke some of his ribs and I threw him through the table. But that was all from a receipt that he gave me earlier. What it, kind of racism was going on? It was, you know, it wasn't necessarily with Vince. It was with the boys, with Sean and all them. It wasn't necessarily with Vince, I don't think. I think it was more of the boys. Did you ever, were you ever you know, the victim of like, you know, the N-word or, you know, anything of that level? Yes, when I won the uh, Intercontinental Championship, I went out to my car, and somebody had scratched on it. Congratulations, nigger. Wow. That is pathetic. And you certainly thought that was one of the boys, right? I, I believe it was one of the boys. Why wouldn't a guy... I, mean, I can't prove it. Right. What's that? Understood. I said, he I can't, can't prove it, but... You can't you know. prove it, but... Yeah. Why would a guy your size... And I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Wouldn't take Shawn Michaels in the back and just slap the living and put him, put him straight. Or are you instantly fired if you do that? Exactly. You would have been fired on a heartbeat. Hmm. Like I said, Shawn Michaels was back then with the Rockets to the WWF, you know, now. I mean, he had the pool. He had the position. And you knew if you messed with him that he would have seen that you were fired. And he actually had the power to stop your WWE championship run. Yes, he he could have. Hmm. He could have. Well, he like really did because I, said, I was I I was supposed to take him on for the championship. Right. But you know what I heard? He told Vince that you know the America wasn't ready for a black champion, so that never happened. But it was setting up for me and him to go at it. Did Vince ever tell you that he was thinking about putting the strap on you to make you world heavyweight champion? Did you ever hear that from Vince? No, he, he kept that pretty low key. Um, even when I became intercontinental champion, before we went out the curtain, they usually tell you who's going over. And Vince didn't tell me or Dustin who was going over, except right toward the end of the match, the referee said, I made you going over. And that's how we found out I was going to become the first black intercontinental champion. And he did the same thing with the world belt. He wouldn't have told me until it was that time. What was Goldust's reaction during the match? Um, what? I'm just curious when you're going on the fly like that. I mean, somebody could be like, nah, I'm not doing that. What the f***? Yeah, he was, Goldust, man, he did the job for me, and I appreciate that so cool. much. Cool. That he took the bump for me and did the job, man.
healthy, just wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was right. Um, right. Or, or that was like the day that Wyndham passed. Right. Or, um, excuse me, right. Yes, um, it was. Yeah. Yes. That was, yeah. But that was, uh, oh man, what a, uh, what a tragedy that was. I don't want to, um, take care of the room, but it's just, you know, one, one of those things that, and then, you know, being in the wrestling business really since I was 16, you become all too familiar with people close to you and, and a lot of your friends passing. And to be very frank, you develop a numbness. And I'm I'm not the only one, believe me. Like, there, there's a certain kind of defense mechanism when it happens so much. But every now and then, you know, when, when somebody uh untimely passes away um it it just it it becomes just like you know like all that goes away because with um with Wyndham you know I I was at barbecues at his houses we went like to kids birthday parties we went to concerts together like like me and my girlfriend him and his wife um like I knew the kids I knew it was just it was a horrible passing and and for um you know, for his family, for, for Mike and Stephanie, his parents, um, you know, Jojo, his wife, and, and um, just his kids, and, and Bo, Bo uh, his brother, I, I just, my, my heart is still broken over it. Being a devout Christian like you are, does it make it a little easier when you lose someone like that, or? Um, you know, again, um, yes. In the sense of if we're here, and I, I am, I'm very spiritual. Like like a lot of people, like I've um, I, I and I obviously like I do like I, I do a lot of stuff like with um, some Catholic networks and everything like that. And but I'm also a very real person. You know, I uh, I'm I'm very much a uh, a human being. I again as a Catholic, I take advantage of the sacrament of confession a lot. Let's say, um, and and I do try to do better. You probably confessed a lot when you lived in Tampa. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I have a few more rosaries to say before my penance is up on the end. Um, but um, but 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 having, like I said, that 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 core spiritual belief, right? Because I, again, I don't want to get too deep, but I I truly believe as humans, you know, spirituality, it's it is God's language to us or, or, or even like religion, right? Where um, we can say hello or hola or buenos dias or konnichiwa, right? They all mean the same thing, but, you know, they have different languages. So with different people, you know, you have Christianity and all the denominations of Christianity. Uh, there's Buddhism, there's Hinduism. And I think like the beauty and the truth in, in all of it, you know, will kind of show itself and and then that to me so like i i'm not one of these people that is like oh you're you don't believe like i believe i'm like no like my or one of my favorite verses in the bible and i'm paraphrasing which kind of shows you but like i um you don't look at the splinter in your neighbor's eye when you can't see the beam in your own well yeah i have like about a forest in my eye and uh and that not just because i have eyes the size of grapefruits but because <laughs> like look i got my own shit and i, I apologize for swearing but that's truly like who am I to judge anybody? Um, so like, that's, that's what I try to live by. And, um, 
Yeah, it's not always easy, right? Like we, as humans, we tend to to have a, a propensity to do it. Um, so again, just trying to like not judge anyone, do the best you can. Um, and again, I'm sorry to get off this tangent, but like to, to answer your original question, it, it does make it easier when someone that you know and love passes uh, because you really think like, hey, like, like life goes on, not in the sense that we know. Um, but, you know, it, it's not like, you know, they're gone, gone. And um, to me, I, I've always found solace in that. I'll get the question eventually. Um, were you upset that Aldis didn't stay the cor course and stick with the NWA? Look, you know what? We are in a business of, like, as, a, as wrestlers, right? The commodity we are selling is ourselves. Uh, and like anything else, right, you have supply and demand. Um, and you also have personal feelings and, and whatever. And I... I never get involved with people's personal stuff. Um, and then to this day, I mean, I couldn't tell you the reason Nick left. Um, glad he found steady work. Uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to see people, you know, be able to feed their families. And um, you know what? He's doing his thing. We're doing ours. Well, besides the last mentioned Nick Aldis, that seems to be the only issue the NWA, at least from a fan, because that's all I am, on the outside that 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 Corrigan's had with the talent. Why do you think there's such a difference between the NWA and the AEW, which seems to have a boatload of problems on a weekly basis? We we keep our lock, bottom line. We keep our locker room in check. If you ask anybody that comes into our locker room, and, and look, not for nothing, but if you come into our locker room, there's, I mean, if you're six feet tall, you're not considered a big guy. And, and, and that's not the truth in a lot of locker rooms now. You look at it, and, and this isn't a knock, but if you look at AEW, even WWE or NXT, right? Like, yes, you have your freaks and monsters, but, like, we're, like, I mean, 6'2", 6'4", 6'5". I mean, we're, we're a little bigger. We've been, you know, and, and, and this is, like, the veterans that have been doing this. Um, and if there's an issue... You know, and, and and it's not like we don't, like, have wrestler's court and we don't pick. No, we, we encourage people to come. We want to we wanna help everybody, right? And, and this is a place where everyone helps everyone. You know, you have one of the younger guys um, does the marketing. And, and, like, literally, we are dependent on each other. So the guys that have more experience, we want to help the young guys be more TV friendly. The Some of the guys that have experience in media and some people in sales, like, we all like like if you look at nwa the people that are there we were there because we want to be there and and, and it, it truly is a family like like they've they've had the vetting process because there, there have been people that have come in that on paper have a giant upside that i mean look we, we've had to say like no we you know not whatever but like we, we, our locker room gives someone the thumbs down like the um, administration listens. And the thing is, we don't have any other interests, right? Like, yes, the NWA title's great. It's nice to be champions. It's nice to do this. But at the end of the day, we are all of the same mindset in that although we have personal goals, because everybody does, 
the the interests of the company have to come first because if the company is not solid we ain't going to be around for very long we, we're interested in building long-term success and that's why i mean is is and, and it's it's genius on billy's part like he he says you know hey like that that is your locker room and, and for pat Kenny too to say that like that's your locker room you guys control it so if you never had i mean we've had to talk to some people sometimes but it's not like we're screaming and yelling. There's no, like, if there's ever an issue, we talk face to face, um, we handle it, and then we move on. And and that truly, um, I, I think, is how it should be. Because if you if you had to guess, would your locker room give the thumbs up to CM Punk joining the NWA? If it was good for bit, absolutely. Absolutely, because you know what? The way our locker rooms went, knowing Punk like I know him. He Integrity. would fit right in. He would fit right in because he gets a bad rap because the business is not the same as when him and I broke in. And I'm not saying it's good, bad. Look, society's changed. Um, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but the business simply is not the same. And I think Punk is he's sticking up for what he believes in. And, like, you know, look, the issue – it was something with glass in the ring with AEW. Like there was like real glass in the ring. You know what? That's stupid. That is a stupid thing. Why would you have real Like, Do you not have enough respect for the people that are going on after you? Like not even like, okay, CM Punk's done more than anyone, you know, at, like, I mean, look, Edge is there now, but like CM Punk's done a lot. And for someone to like, oh no, I'm going to use real glass because I want to look tough. No, that means you're probably not tough in real life and you're trying to prove it by throwing yourself on a fluorescent tube or a whatever the hell it was, I don't know. But you have the respect for the people going on after you because guess what? They could be injured, but people don't think like that. They want to think me, 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 me. And the reality is, unless you're trained properly and unless you're actually good enough at this, if... You can't say, hey, I can't do this. I have to adjust, right? That's what a pro is. That is what a professional is. Punk's a pro. I don't care what anyone says. You know, oh, he's this, he's that, he's got... No, but in the ring, CM Punk is a pro. And outside the ring, I've always known him to be a pro. And um, the little bit I have heard about that situation, and again, I am not... I, I, I am not even in my opinion, qualified to truly comment. So please take what I say with a grain of salt. But if the issue was like a real glass in the ring, no, that is completely disrespectful. And um, had that been an issue in NW, well, first of all, it wouldn't have happened in NWA. But if someone was to show that level of disrespect in our locker room, there would be a very, very different conversation. And I think the, um, the internet would be reporting a very different outcome. Well, then on the other side, would you think the NWA locker room would welcome or give the thumbs up to a Perry or Young Bucks? Uh, the Young Bucks, I'm a fan of the Young Bucks. And I'll tell you why. Their style may not be what I dig. But you know something? If I was to have a match with them, I would let them do their thing. When I got the heat, it would be my heat. And I would play off of them. I would adjust to them. And look, regardless of what you think of the Young Bucks, those guys 
have made a tremendous living, and those guys are a resounding success. So um, I, I, I think I might have met him once and said hi to him, but, like, no, I am a fan of them. I am a fan of what they do. And, and look, business-wise, there's different philosophies, right? Like, people like this style, people like that style, whatever. It's, it's all pro wrestling. But, no, I mean, for for what I know of them, no, I, I look NWA. We we welcome anyone. We are truly the land of misfit toys, or the island of misfit toys, wherever the hell it is. Or the the, the show will be on soon. Are you saying Saturday, I'd but... be welcomed? Oh yeah, no, like truly, like we welcome anyone. The, the only yes, of course you would, but the only I have to be a heel though. Requisite... I'm a heel. I'm a heel. Oh, don't worry. Same here. Same here. I tried to do a baby face thing a minute. It didn't work. Um, Can't but do that no, like the only <laughs> yeah. But... But like prerequisite, and then this goes to any young wrestler that may be listening, right? Have an, have a good attitude, be willing to work, and be willing to just take some pointers for being better, and and, and for presenting yourself better, and and just have a good attitude. Because here's the thing, you know, I and, and for what I said about the NWA locker room, that is all true. But you know what? Everyone has said about the NWA locker room. It is the most laid back and fun locker room they've been in. Because it is. We are chill. We don't do the whole veteran here and the young. No. Everybody help. We are just chill, man. All of us. Um, but again, if you have a bad attitude, if you try to put the company at risk, because those of us that are there, like we work very hard for the for the company, it, it's literally about those three letters. And this goes for Billy, too. Um, you know, look, Billy, he doesn't need to do this, but those three letters still mean something to, to those of us that are, are truly kind of a fan of pro wrestling the way we think it should be presented. And Aaron, you know, we were you, talking about you, this Vladimir guy. Oh, go on, Mike. Go yes, ahead, Vlad, go yes, ahead. I, I did meet him, yeah. What, you did meet him? Oh, you yeah. did? What is he like? like? So I got to, um, like, I definitely wrestled in front of him because I remember, um, I think, I was, yeah, I was with Cody. And we were teaming and, like, we're there. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's the dude that was at every pay-per-view forever. that much? <laughs> yeah. What's that? Now I gotta watch this thing, man, because like, damn. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I mean, growing up, like that's the thing. Growing up, I I recognized him, like, oh man. And then um, we whoa, did whoa, a show whoa! And... You known him in the scene that long in your career? Oh yeah. Well, when I was a kid and I would watch the pay per views, I would see him all the time. And I, I like we were in the ring somewhere, <laughs> and I went like, hey, dude, that's that guy. And and Cody knew his name. Oh yeah, it's Vlad. Um, so that was just, yeah, I was like, whoa, that was, that was kind of cool. And I, I had seen him, but like, he was always, you know, in his seat and I was in my underpants fake fighting. <laughs> and, um, like I got to meet him though at, uh, it was in New Jersey last December for, um, for Nova or Mike Bucci or Simon Dean's retirement match. He was there and I got to actually like chat with him and stuff. It was really cool. Really, really cool. I don't know Mike, if you had you the chance. question. I don't know if you had the chance, but uh, if you saw the documentary that the WWE just put out on him. No, I have not. 
it's it's pretty amazing how one human being could love something like that that much i feel like you downplayed it though like that's really like this guy's been going hard mike like i thought you were saying like when you're like oh has there been something you ever loved yeah i've gone and seen some bands here and they're like yo this man is like on some like real passion oh, no, shit. Like, like 25 30 years easy like yeah oh, oh my yeah. god I'm, okay, I'm, now, how do you I'm, afford that? I'm 56. I started watching wrestling maybe 15, and I used to go to the garden every month, and that dude was in the front row every month. And as Wait, I creeped you've down, seen him too, Mike? Yeah, when I used to go towards the front row, and then I started getting better tickets, I would see him there. And I actually went to speak to him, and I always thought he wrestled for somebody or he worked for somebody because he was always in that same spot. It's just amazing how all these wrestlers knew this guy. Yeah. What kind of seats did he have? Now I'm curious. <laughs> he was front row, right, Aaron? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always front row and just having a good old time. And it was, uh, it, again, really cool to meet him because, like, I, I felt like I owed him a thank you because, like, had, had he not loved it as much as he did, right? Um, and he's kind of like, I, I guess, a representative – for um, all the fans, I you know, I mean, if, if you're going to pick a fan, they did a documentary on him, he'd be the one. So it was just like, hey, dude, like, thank you for your support. Thank you for just, like, just showing up, man, because that's, you know, it's incredible. Like, that kind of commitment. Um, again, they, they did a documentary about it, right? Like, how how much... I want to get him as a guest take? now. <laughs> I want to oh, pick yes, his you brain. <laughs> You should. I literally well, want to see what he knows get more about wrestling than me. Yeah. So, Aaron, yeah. let me ask you this then. When the wrestlers call fans marks, like I personally always like felt it was almost like an insulting comment, right? Oh, wait, he's wait, a mark. Wait, translate. Oh, What's she's mark a mark. Mean? What's a mark? A Tell fan. her what a mark okay. is, Aaron. Uh, a fan. Now, okay, so if we, like, okay, the, the term mark, do you guys know where the term mark comes from? I do. But you can explain okay, it to yeah. Daniel. So back in the carnival days, right? Yeah, that's okay. Um, so like back in the carnival days, um, you know, you'd have the guy step right up, step right up, come do this, whatever, right? Like that was a to get people to spend their money. And what they would do sometimes, they'd have a little piece of chalk, and as the people were going into the tent or whatever, they'd just go, oh, come on, and they, they would mark their back with a little piece of chalk so the other vendors would know, oh, this person's got some money and this and that. So they would kind of cater to them to try to get them to spend their money on their booth. So that's why, like, the term mark originates from literally the mark on, like, the back of their coats. And, um, you know, in, in wrestling, because wrestling obviously was like, or, or professional wrestling as we know it today, was born out of the carnival culture. Um, it just kind of translated. But now, I mean, look, if... Like, I use that term in jest, right? Like, I was having this conversation with somebody. Um, it was before, actually, it was before the pay-per-view. Oh, yes, there I am in my flesh-colored tights. Um, I was about to so say, it, you, I, 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 I'm yeah. keeping my comments PG. I'm keeping exactly. my comments PG. Uh -huh, keeping exactly. My comments PG. Um, uh, but, like, if well, it was before the pay-per-view, and um, we had this big tables match, right, and, and where... And I'm I'm with um, you know my uh, my team there, and 
uh, our boss, Pat Kenny, uh, not Billy, but Pat Kenny, the, the head of talent relations. You guys nervous? And, you know, Pat tries to make levity of it. And I'm like, Pat, you know me. I never, and I don't. Like, I, I'll be very honest with you. I've, yeah, I've wrestled at the Garden several times. I've, I've wrestled at every kind of really major arena in the world. And I do not get nervous. Um, my brain is really pressure. kind of. No, it's it just my brain's wired differently, right? Like, I can, I can do that and I will not blink an eye. But like again, day to day life stuff, eh, not so much, right? Like that's that's kind of the trade off, right? Like when I'm, I can like be wrestling, or even when I'm on set, right? Like like the actors, um, you know, like oh my god, and they, they get nervous and they're all like this this high pressure situation, and it's like, look, we've rehearsed this, like wrestling, you don't get a rehearsal, like this is like, look, we have gone over this, you have hair and makeup making us look exactly like we're supposed to look, you have, you know, very highly paid sound and camera operators just shut up and do it like know your lines don't hit the furniture unless of course the script calls for it and go um you know a, a lot of people they um yeah they, they make kind of i think like a bigger deal about stuff than it needs to be um but to your original point right like the term mark no a uh, mark look they're a fan right i i'm a mark okay like like here's the reality I was enough of a mark that I decided to dedicate a large portion of my life to this, okay, and and fall down and miss birthdays, miss family events, uh, funerals, you name it, um, just because I like this. I mean, come on, and, and like, oh, you, well, you were getting paid well. Well, then guess what? I'm a mark for money, mm. right? Like that's kind of that's the reality uh, that it is. So I, I like I can understand where people would view that as a a bad term, but, but my response uh, going back to, you know, when uh, I was asked if I would get nervous, I was like, no, I go, they're all marks. And, uh, you know, and I walked out. No, I did not mean that as like, you know, oh yeah, they're all idiots. No, but like they all paid to see a show. It is our job to give them a show. And that's it. Right. Like I, um, to me, right? Like if I call someone, oh, you're a mark, this or that. And, and I don't, right? I, I don't personally do that. But if anyone questions how I feel about the fans, um, every single time I perform, whether I'm wrestling, whether I'm managing, whether I'm just talking or whatever, and the people that know me will tell you this, like I am emotionally exhausted because I literally give those fans every single ounce of everything I have. And I will do that until I stop performing because that is my job, right? That is, that is what I owe them because anyone who's ever paid a ticket to see a show I'm on or paid a ticket to see me or bought my merchandise or made a sign for me, um, if I don't give them my very best and then some, that is a reflection of me. And, and I, I, again, I truly owe everything to them. I would not have the house I live in. I would not have the clothes I wear. I would not have the car I drive. I just would not have the life I've had. And I, I have a pretty good life if it was not for the fans. So that, like, to me, if, if that red light's on, you bet your ass I'm going to be. I don't care what kind of a day I'm having, if I'm sick, if I'm this, if I'm that. No. They will get everything I have, and they will always get everything I have. As you, this Vladimir guy. Huh? Oh, go on, mm -hmm. Mike. 
Go yes, ahead. Go yes, ahead. I, I did meet him, yeah. What You did meet him? Oh, you yeah. did? What is he like? like? So I got to, um, like, I definitely wrestled in front of him because I remember, um, I think, I was, yeah, I was with Cody. And we were teaming and, like, we're there. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's the dude that was at every pay-per-view for ever. that much? <laughs> yeah. What's that? Now I got to watch this thing, man, because, like, damn. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, growing up, like, that's the thing. Growing up, I, I recognized him. Like, oh, man. And then um, we whoa, did whoa, a show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've known him in the scene that long in your career? Oh, yeah. Well, when I was a kid and I would watch the pay-per-views, I would see him all the time. And I, I like we were in the ring somewhere, and I went like, "Hey, dude, that's that guy." And and Cody knew his name. Oh yeah, it's Vlad. Um, so that was just yeah. I was like, "Whoa, that was that was kind of cool." And I, I had seen him, but like he was always, you know, in his seat, and I was in my underpants, fake fighting. <laughs> and um, like I got to meet him though at uh, it was in New Jersey last December for um for Nova or Mike Bucci or Simon Dean's retirement match. He was there and I got to actually like chat with him and stuff. It was really cool. Really, really cool. I don't know Mike, if you had you the chance. Question? I don't know if you had the chance, but uh if you saw the documentary that the WWE just put out on him. No, I have not. It's it's pretty amazing how one human being could love something like that that much i feel like you downplayed it though like that's really like this guy's been going hard mike like i thought you were saying like when you're like oh has there been something you ever loved yeah i've gone and seen some bands here and there. like yo this man is like on some like real passion oh, no, shit. Like, like 25 30 years easy like yeah oh, oh my yeah. god I'm, okay I'm, now how do you I'm, afford that i'm 56 i started watching wrestling maybe 15 and I used to go to the garden every month, and that dude was in the front row every month. And as I Wait, creeped down, you've seen him too, Mike. Yeah, when I used to go towards the front row, and then I started getting better tickets, I would see him there. And I actually went to speak to him, and I always thought he wrestled for somebody or he worked for somebody because he was always in that same spot. It's just amazing how all these wrestlers knew this guy. Yeah. What kind of seats did he have? Now I'm curious. <laughs> he was front row, right, Aaron? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always front row and just having a good old time. And it was, uh, it, again, really cool to meet him because, like, I, I felt like I owed him a thank you because, like, had had he not loved it as much as he did, right? Um, and he's kind of like, I, I guess, a representative for um, all the fans, I you know, I mean, if, if you're going to pick a fan, they did a documentary on him, he'd be the one. So it was just like, hey, dude, like, thank you for your support. Thank you for just, like, just showing up, man. Because that's, you know, it's incredible. Like, that kind of commitment. Um, again, they, they did a documentary about it, right? Like, how how much... I want to get him as a guest take? now. <laughs> I want to oh, yes, his you brain. Should. You should. I literally well, want to see what he knows get more about wrestling guess. than me. Yeah. So, Aaron, yeah. let me ask you this so then. Crazy. When the wrestlers call fans marks, like I personally always like felt it was almost like an insulting comment, right? Oh, wait, he's wait, a wait. mark. Translate. Oh, what's she's mark a mark. Mean? What's a mark? A Tell fan. her what a mark okay. is, Aaron. Uh, a fan. Now, okay, so if we like, okay, the, the term mark, do you guys know where the term mark comes from? I do. But you can explain okay, it to yeah. Danielle. 
So back in the carnival days, right? Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so like back in the carnival days, um, you know, you'd have the guy step right up, step right up, come do this, whatever, right? Like that was a to get people to spend their money. And what they would do sometimes, they'd have a little piece of chalk, and as the people were going into the tent or whatever, they'd just go, oh, come on, and they, they would mark their back with a little piece of chalk so the other vendors would know, oh, this person's got some money and this and that. So they would kind of cater to them to try to get them to spend their money on their booth. So that's why, like, the term mark originates from literally the mark on, like, the back of their coats. And, um, you know, in, in wrestling, because wrestling obviously was like, or, or professional wrestling as we know it today, was born out of the carnival culture. Um, it just kind of translated. But now, I mean, look, if... Like, I use that term in jest, right? Like, I was having this conversation with somebody. Um, it was before, actually, it was before the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm in my flesh-colored tights. Um, I was about to so say, it, you, I, 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 I yeah. keep my comments PG. I'm keeping my comments Exactly. But, like, if well, it was before the pay-per-view, and um, we had this big tables match, right? And, and we're... And uh, I'm, I'm with, um, you know, my uh, my team there. And uh, our boss, Pat, Ken, uh, not Billy, but Pat Kinney, the, the head of talent relations. You guys nervous? And, you know, Pat tries to make levity of it. And I'm like, Pat, you know me. I never – and I don't. Like, I, I'll be very honest with you. I've – yeah, I've wrestled at the Garden several times. I've, I've wrestled at every kind of really major arena in the world. And I do not get nervous. Um, my brain is really pressure. kind of – no, it's it just my brain's wired differently, right? Like, I can I can do that, and I will not blink an eye. But, like, again, day-to-day -day life stuff, eh, not so much, right? Like, that's that's kind of the trade-off, right? Like, when I'm – I can, like, be wrestling, or even when I'm on set, right? Like, like the actors, um, you know, like, oh, my God, and they, they get nervous, and they're all, like, this, this high-pressure situation, and it's like, look, we've rehearsed this. Like, wrestling, you don't get a rehearsal. Like, this is like, look, we have gone over this. You have hair and makeup making us look exactly like we're supposed to look. You have, you know, very highly paid sound and camera operators. Just shut up and do it. Like, know your lines. Don't hit the furniture. Unless, it, of course, the script calls for it. And go. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, they, um, yeah, they, they make kind of, I think, like a bigger deal about stuff than it needs to be. Um, but to your original point, right, like the term mark. No, a uh, mark. Look, they're a fan, right? I, I'm a mark, okay. Like, like here's the reality. I was enough of a mark that I decided to dedicate a large portion of my life to this, okay, and and fall down and miss birthdays, miss family events, uh, funerals, you name it, um, just because I like this. I mean, come on, and, and like, oh, you well, you were getting paid well. Well, then guess what? I'm a mark for money. Right? Like, that's kind of, that's the reality uh, that it is. So I, I, like, I can understand where people would view that as a a bad term. But, but my response, uh, going back to, you know, when uh, I was asked if I would get nervous, I was like, no. I go, they're all marks. And, uh, you know, and I walked out. No, I did not mean that as, like, you know, oh, yeah, they're all idiots. No. But, like, they all paid to see a show. It is our job to give them a show, and that's it, right? Like I, um, 
to me, right? Like if I call someone, oh, you're a mark, this or that, and, and I don't, right? I, I don't personally do that. But if anyone questions how I feel about the fans, um, every single time I perform, whether I'm wrestling, whether I'm managing, whether I'm just talking or whatever, and the people that know me will tell you this, like I am emotionally exhausted because I literally give those fans every single ounce of everything I have. And I will do that until I stop performing because that is my job, right? That is, that is what I owe them because anyone who's ever paid a ticket to see a show I'm on or paid a ticket to see me or bought my merchandise or made a sign for me, um, if I don't give them my very best and then some, that is a reflection of me. And, and I, I, again, I truly owe everything to them. I would not have the house I live in. I would not have the clothes I wear. I would not have the car I drive. I just would not have the life I've had. And I, I have a pretty good life if it was not for the fans. So that, like, to me, if, if that red light's on, you bet your ass I'm going to be. I don't care what kind of a day I'm having, if I'm sick, if I'm this, if I'm that. No. They will get everything I have, and they will always get everything I have. Fun. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what it's that's all loving about. loving your craft. That's I know a, you, it's a beautiful I, thing. I know you worked with yeah. this gentleman before, Dutch Mantel. Oh, Dutch. Uh-huh. Yosemite Sam. Here's my, here's my <laughs> question, here's my question <laughs> yeah. to you. Dutch Mantel doesn't know, knows, I mean, Dutch Mantel knows everything about wrestling, but yeah. he also knows everything about, like, building, building rocket, rocket yeah. ships, uh, curing cancer. Complicated Like, calculus? you ask Dutch Mantel something, he'll give you an answer. Yeah, yeah. Why is Dutch Mantel so respected in the pro wrestling industry when he didn't draw a dime in, in, in his entire career? Ooh. Explain that to Tarnations. me. Ooh. Well, first of all, no matter what I think of Dutch, he thought of Jack DeHart losing gimmick. I got to give him props where props okay. are due. Okay. Uh, do I agree with everything he says? No. Um, I do like him. I don't agree on certain things uh, business-wise now that I'm older, <clears throat> excuse me, and I could speak up. Um, but as far as I know, I've never been around. Like, he was in different promotions, you know, Memphis and TNA and stuff, and he was in charge of storylines and stuff. So some of them were pretty good, and you got to give props where, where, you know, where it's, you know. I got to give props to that, and I've I've heard more good than bad than like, oh, that was Dutch's stupid idea or something. I've never heard anything like that, but um, yeah, that's it. Is 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 uh, as far as far as that goes. Well, yeah. why do, why do you think he doesn't shave that mustache? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, think, um, I think he thinks it's cool. I think he don't own a razor, and I think right. he's lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So Barry, obviously <laughs> a huge razor. fan. And <laughs> he, and he owes me and he owes me trans since '96. Well, and, here's one another thing. He doesn't like us, so and, and his back is hairy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Oh, holy George Steele, Batman. All right, you got to help me right. with this ah! one now, <laughs> Barry. You got to help me with this one. You've been on a ton of shoot interviews, right? Everybody loves everything you got to say. You're incredible. 
There's one podcast out there, and you got to oh, explain this no. to me. You're it's, not going to. I want to understand the Samantha oh. uh, logistics behind it. Oh, it's dear. the kid from England, right? Oh, the, that kid James dear. from England. James, I love James. That's good, oh, but I have dear. a few questions. I, I really do. What time? What time in the morning do you have to shoot with him, like for that interview? Okay, I've only did when I got interviewed by him. It was in a studio, cool studio. Uh, in West Virginia, um, Appalachian Wrestling Association. I'm not sure. Okay. But okay. Okay. I was interviewed first for an hour or two, probably about 8 o'clock to 10, by Shane Douglas. Okay. And uh, uh, I like Shane. I like the way he conducts his business. I yeah. like the way he talks, his, yeah. how he articulates we uh, love different things. He's been around. Um James and I probably talked for two hours, and I'm going to say, seriously, from 10 o'clock at night, uh, Eastern Time, p.m., till midnight. Out of that two hours, he probably got 10 shows out of me. Oh, he wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Barry. His, Barry, I gotta, I'm sorry. His mom let him yeah. stay up till midnight? Wait a minute. <laughs> No, Barry. No, Barry. Could, here's a real question. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. You can see us on video. Were, were you able to see James on that video also? Yes, I was. There was there was a prompter in front of me, and I saw him. It was about this big, uh, smaller than my uh, laptop. And I saw him, and he's a pro. I like the way his questions. Fair uh, he said that. Um, Fair enough. Suppose, I mean, I believe him. He said that. I was requested for about two years. He couldn't get in touch with me, and then probably out of sight, out of mind. And um, he had hundreds of questions, and he only—he—he he was honest. He says we only scraped the surface with some of the questions, and I was requested as 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 an interview because he's had tremendous uh, interviews. And he tells me, and I thought he was joking. He goes, after this plays, you're gonna get, and I forgot. You guys know better than me. An ungodly amount of, of likes or hints or hits, whatever you call it. Yeah. He says, I promise you, there'll be that much within days. And I will admit, I've did a lot of different shows and a lot of different things. And things have been mentioned, even Impact and whatnot. Um, but the most have been mentioned at my table is, hey, I saw you on uh, Wrestling Shoot Interviews, WSI. Right. right. I said, oh, wow, thanks. I mean, almost every show somebody comes up, hey, I saw you there. Hey, I saw you on YouTube. But I, so, I, I got um, to ask you what you saw. Was there any point while he was interviewing, did his mom come in with meatloaf and try to give him some like meatloaf for dinner? Yeah, was she dusting was the she, room? Like, dusting like while the action figures? Number one, that didn't happen. Number two, you stole that from the wedding crashers. <laughs> did you? What do you mean, mom meatloaf? <laughs> what the? Hey, mom. Meatloaf! <laughs> no, it's James Meatloaf! Oh my god. Come on. Barry. No, James. James is that's his house. He's he's married. Uh he left his oh, job. Wow. He's been doing okay. that a couple of years. And yeah. um I, I think he does you know, there's a lot of I'm uh I like uh whatchamacallits, uh, if you don't mind me mentioning no, people. Not at all. No. Um I mean I don't watch a bunch, but I like the way uh, Kevin Nash conducts his oh, yeah. with uh, Sean. Um, Sean Oliver. Sean Oliver. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yep. I like the way it's conducted. Yep. But here's the biggest thing. I listened to stories that I was near or in the same town mm -hmm. or in the same locker room 
and they're pretty spot on. And there was one... Bad reputations. The last time you were in, we discussed a lot of uh, the Ultimate Warrior's deficiencies as a, as a, as a person and as a worker. Uh, any, have you... Have, are you still feel exactly the same way about him? Is it softened maybe over the years? He's passed no. on, or is it? It's all the no. same still. No, no, I don't like to talk about uh, people that passed on. Uh, some people did it to themselves. Sometimes it was an accident. So it could have been right. a car wreck. It could have been this or that. But huh, I think some half is self-inflicted, or just uh, they needed help or overdid it. I mean, um, no, I don't. I'm not gonna. He's got a family and stuff, and if they see this and stuff, I just don't care for him. They don't know how he treated me or other right. people. Right. And, and you know what I like is when he was on top and the other guys were, he was main event and they were semi. So probably back in the day, they're not saying nothing. Maybe in the car or the hotel room or where other people can't hear. Ask them today on a podcast. The, the ones that'll tell it like it is. Uh, I think Brett would tell it like it is. I think um, I think a lot of people would tell it like it is. And most of them, as far as I know, are burying him. Yeah. Verbally. Well, well yeah. speak speaking of someone else, you worked with Chris Candido, and we discussed yep. Sonny earlier. What was Sonny like back while, while you were working back then? Were you embarrassed for Candido? Uh, what was that no. situation like? Uh, a tad. Just a tad. I just saw a young girl that was new in the wrestling business and a little immature. So when she said stupid things, because I was probably five years older, six years older, I didn't put it over. It it was irrelevant to me. What I cared about is my relationship with Skip, ultimate dance partner. Never. He was a mirror of me. Never a problem. Worked his ass off. Good technical wrestler. Oh, yeah. Trained his ass off in the gym. Funny. I've had fun with him. I've never had an ill word of anything with him. That SummerSlam match in Pittsburgh at the Igloo, a.k.a. the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, mm -hmm. a.k.a. where they filmed uh, Sudden Impact with Van Dam. Yeah. After that match, I did not take my trunks off or my boots for one hour. I was on a natural high from wow. that match. Yeah. I couldn't. Awesome. I couldn't stop talking about it to Skip. He couldn't stop talking about it to me. I didn't take off my stuff for an hour. <laughs> I was crazy. too, I was ready to go back there again and pull another 20 minutes with him. <laughs> nice. You got Wisteria Hall on stage. We were talking about, did you ever think that Barry Windham would be serenaded by uh, a bunch of 50-year-olds? <laughs> we'll have to see how this concert turns out. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast. Monty Nefaro filmed only here out of Indie Music Studios out of Ron Conkham in New York. And on the couch, the great Barry Windham. Barry, how are you, buddy? Doing great, doing great. You look great, man. 
I saw you on a virtual signing yesterday. I was like, damn, he looks like he's in great shape. Well, you know, I had the heart attack back in November. I was I was out for 30 minutes at the airport, no heartbeat, nothing. And uh, there was a doctor there, which I've got to find out who that is, and a guy that did the CPR on me for 30 minutes. And uh, I was out, no heartbeat, no nothing. Your reputation in this business, I, I, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I want to ask you about it. But, you know, from the Ric Flairs to the Arn Andersons to, to Mike, myself, all the fans, you really have a very, very impeccable reputation and are really loved and remembered as one of the greatest, clearly top ten to many, many folks. How do you, what do you attribute that to, that you've uh, been so fondly remembered? Was it just doing the right thing over the course of your career? Or, you know, how does it make you feel knowing just how respected Barry Windham really is? Well, you know, just to end the ring, I guess one of the main things that sticks out in my mind that Eddie Graham said to me, he said, you have to work of shoot. You know, like you have to go into a match like it's a real fight, and then you work a real fight. And, and I took that and I applied it. And, uh, you know, and, I just thought, and then I thought about selling and all that, and, and it just... You know, and I had really good teachers down there in Florida, too. They had so many guys come through there, Morocco, LaDuke, uh, the Ortons. I mean, all those guys. I worked with every one of them. I worked, you know, 30 minutes and 45 minutes. We went Broadway with all of them. You know, Dusty was doing that for me just so I could learn. And it, uh, I, I just think that's it, you know, just the, the stuff in the ring. I mean, I'm assuming you learned from your father also, right? And, uh both of you huge guys, what real wrestlers are. But your father had the mic skills of a very boisterous guy. But you took it a different route. You took it more like a, a like a, a quiet, soft-spoken guy. Uh, how come you took that approach, or you just that was natural to you? You know, I, I think that just goes back, you know, to learning from Eddie and Dusty, just try to be natural. And, you know, there are times you got to show your emotion, too. you got to use your face, your body, your hands, everything. And those are just things, you know, that I just took in. And, and it was, uh, I guess what I did is I always tried to, you know, at the end of the day, I would always think back about what I learned that day, mm -hmm. whether it was about the business or life, before I went to sleep. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things you just add it up and add it up. And I, I don't know, I mean... I don't know if other people do that. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just the way I did things. Were you able to, uh, were you ever offered a gimmick that could have derailed your image? Like, you really never ha were given anything goofy, if you understand what I'm saying. No, no, Asked not at all. You no. managed to somehow keep that Barry Windham, the wrestler, intact all those years. Were you ever offered something where you were like, I'm not doing that. That's dumb. Well, I mean, you know, working for Vince and WWE, he wanted you know, something else. And okay. I fought him tooth and nail, you know. He would, I was wearing all the camo stuff, but I was wearing my boots underneath it, mm -hmm. you know, or I had my hair blonde or, you know, just always. And, you know, I think that's why Vince didn't really go with me because I was always just kind of defiant. Okay. But I was still there and did my job. But, uh... Do you remember any, I, I'm sorry to press, but I am curious, do you remember any particular one with Vince where he was like, okay, was there any particular one? Well, I, would, I would probably think the stalker, right? Yeah, that was a stalker. That was okay. A stalker. Okay. And I don't know. 
maybe Pritchard, that was his idea. I don't know, but anyway, I, I just, I felt it was kind of a rib. Right. And, you know, just maybe a little payback for, you know, for leaving before, but. Oh, so you think that's payback when Interesting. You, why did you leave when you guys were so hot, you and Mike? What made you leave the WWE? Well, I mean, you know, we had been in Florida before that, and we are home every night. And then there were, we're there, and, you know, it was three months on the road, mm. never home. Yeah. You know, 90, 96 days, I think, was was what we went, 92 or 96, mm-hmm. without going home. We might have had a day off on the road, but there was no way to get home. And... uh we were in Baltimore, and Rotundo just flipped out and lost it. We were all down in the red light district, and all the guys were there, and they had their Lincolns, and they ended up playing Ram cars with Lincolns. And I guess Rotundo had rented the car. He was, Anyway, he jumped out of the car and left. Left me there with the car. I went back to the hotel. He was gone. Just left. He had flown home that night. He just flipped out. So. Just had enough. So I went to Boston the next night and worked with, uh, uh, worked with S.D. Jones. And uh, Chief J. Strongbow was there, and uh, they called Vince, had Vince on the phone. I said, no, I'm going home. Mike's home. And I didn't talk to him again after that. And it just, you know, I just think it kind of hung with him, which it would have, too, you know, if it was been been me. But mm. and he just ran guys ragged there. And yeah. Drugs were rampant. and it, it was. Not for you. It was a great time, but it was a bad time. Right. I gotcha. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. I mean, you guys were crazy over back then. It was like, forget about it. I thought I thought you could have, both of you guys could have went on. I mean, he clearly went on with the IRS gimmick for quite a while. Yeah. But, you know, you, you know, you yeah, clearly could have. we just stuck gone. it out, we'd have been included. But. I mean, what was the money difference between the WWE or Georgia Championship Wrestling of Florida? You know, you hear... We have a lot of guys in here, and they talk about the big paydays they got down south. But then I talked to some other people that were in the biz, and they're like, yeah, it really wasn't what you think. You know, the, all, the, all the big paydays occurred up here. Which would be more accurate? Uh, let's see. This was 95. I think Mike and I made about $225,000 that year. Which, wow. Well, to us was a lot then. It's a lot to me now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But you had other guys making you oh, know, sure. millions. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I think that was probably one of the things that kind of turned me off to the business, too, is kind of the pay disparity. But, you know, those guys worked their ass off that are in that spot, too. Mm-hmm. You know, after seeing Wyndham Minute and Cena, you know, they're just gone all the time. They're always busy or always were. Yeah, I think you have to make that conscious decision that you're going to marry the business in order to be that successful, right? Yeah, yeah, you you got to go with it 100. percent You know, Barry, it's a, past it, that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I get it. This is it's a tough time, but I I, I got to clear this off the table. Um, you lost your nephew recently. Yeah. Um, you want to share your thoughts about what's going on with your family, and you know, I mean, for wrestling fans, obvious a sad time, but I mean, my again, my heart went out to you your family and the Rotunda family, uh, it's just a shame. Yeah, it's still pretty hard to talk about. But I mean, he was just such a... He was such a beautiful person. Yeah. 
Well, our prayers are with you guys, man. It's he's going to be sorely missed. It's one of the most brilliant minds in the business currently. That's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah, it's really hard on this family. I don't know how they're getting by. Barry, you worked with uh, some of the great promoters of all time. Uh, I am curious, uh, how come you never really did uh, work with the AWA, if I can ask? I only worked just one shot in there for uh, for Vern. But, uh, you know, I guess with uh, my time in Florida, that you know, with my start in my career, and then uh, with all the guys that had come in there, most of them, you know, we're New York guys, mm -hmm. so I, I think that was a pretty natural progression. And with my dad being there, sure. Uh, I never, I never really talked to Vern or, or, you know, or about working there or anything. It was just the one shot that Rotundo and I did when they ran the dome. We worked against uh, Stan and Steve. Mm. Uh, but I never worked Memphis territory either, or. Uh, the Northwest. Any reasons why, or just wasn't in the cards? Well, I or? think I was just tied up where I was. Right. Yeah. Interesting. What was your impression of Vern Gagne, even though it was brief? Well, I was little when I was around Vern when I met Vern. I met Vern and Andre the same day, so. Okay. <laughs> so I had a definite bigger impression with Andre. Yeah. But I remember meeting him. How'd you get along with Andre? Were you guys... Uh, you were younger, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever Andre would come in, he would travel with me in Florida. Uh, Mike Graham had a big old Cadillac limousine, and I would drive Andre around in that. Uh, I guess because he worked with my dad, you know, he, <laughs> right. he knew me, so he felt comfortable with me. But, uh, yeah, he traveled with me all the time. You know, with all these documentaries going on now and everybody sees behind the curtain and things like that, would, would it be fair to say uh, the stories on Andre, are they true? Did you see him, like, take business to his own hands when he didn't like someone, or were you not privy to that type of oh, stuff? Oh, yeah, if he didn't like it, you knew it. Really? Yeah, he didn't like uh, Savage. Mm. Let's see, somebody else. Baby oil. Sheiky, right? Yeah. Yeah, he would lay in the chops on those guys. <laughs> and would, would you guys be back there like, oh, this is... <laughs> uh, better you than me. <laughs> you know, Andre, you know, he just didn't like them. He never really hurt them, but he would sit on them and keep them in a spot where they couldn't do what they were doing. You know, he, he wasn't brutal to them. He was just almost comical to them, you know, I, just to where they couldn't move or something, the, just trapping them in a corner. sit on them. Well, you, your dad had some great matches against yeah. them. Well, did dad, yeah. your dad ever tell you any stories? Like, did they ever, like, get into it at all? Because your dad could hold his own, I'm I'm for sure, against his dad, was, his dad was a skyscraper himself. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. Murdoch told me a story about, let's see, it was my dad and Murdoch and Andre at Virginia Beach. They were staying at a hotel on the beach, and he said, Murdoch, I think Murdoch started a fight. He, uh, anyway, it ended up with my dad and Andre out in the surf, and Murdoch was, was refereeing, and uh, Andre was holding my dad underneath the water. <laughs> <laughs> but my old man told the story different. He said he was beating up Andre. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Don't kill him. Don't.
kill him. <laughs> and now this from Blackjack Mulligan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God. But they tore up the whole hotel room and they fought out on the deck and then out to the water. Jeez. You know, growing up with your dad <laughs> oh around, though, like, you know, you're, you're a kid, right? I'm sure sometimes you, like, kind of push back, right? You want to be your own. Like, with push, your father, was it push like... Push back? Well, that's what I'm trying to say. With no. your father, was like, I'm not saying shit to my father. I'm just do what he says. Yes, or sir. Or... I, I always just did what he said. He was heavy-handed. So Smart man. Yeah. He was heavy. He was heavy. He was just big, heavy-legged, heavy-everything. God. You've worked with uh, Vince McMahon, obviously. You've worked with uh, Eric Bischoff a bit. Uh, Vince Russo. Uh, Can you tell me the difference between these three guys? To you? Your memories? Oh, let's see. Well, Russo, I, I, I don't know. Russo didn't like me and Bradshaw. I think it really Bradshaw was rude of R- Russo not liking me because Bradshaw was just a bully to everybody. Okay. Yeah, and, so that is true about yeah. Bradshaw. Okay. When we were in the ring in Japan, he would be beating up the guys. They say, "Please tag in little blackjack." <laughs> tag in little. Yeah, you want little? You want a little blackjack. Little blackjack. <laughs> Good lord. Okay. Uh, Baba called us back. He had a meeting with us, mm-hmm. the three of us. Mm-hmm. He said, "He said you, you're too heavy with my boys." Mm. And I'm looking at Bradshaw. Jeez, man! But yeah, <laughs> Baba called us down and said, "Okay, we'll take it easy." Right. Bradshaw the next night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't give a shit. Just wailing out. <laughs> Did um, you ever want to tell Vince Russo? I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, or better yet, let me ask you, is Vince Russo what's wrong with the business when it comes to a guy in charge of booking a show? He's, it sounds like, you know, he wasn't a fan of yours, and I could probably understand why. I figured you would be telling him, I'm not doing that stupid idea of yours. Well, I mean, it just it seemed like he didn't have a broad scope, a broad enough, you know, to cover yeah. all the wrestlers yeah, and everything yeah, that was just, there. Yeah. And he had a little narrow picture of what he wanted. Right. And I just never fit in it. So. Right. I never had any personal problems with him, but, you know, I'm, I know what going on in the meetings in New York, so I know what's said about guys. So, right. You know. It would only make sense, too, because his whole thing was that Jerry Springer type of thing, and that, right. that wasn't that's the type of Barry guy. Windham. That's not Barry Windham at all. How, right? about, how about Vince McMahon and uh, Bischoff? What do you got for me on those two? Uh, Bischoff, you know, was always straight up with me. I never had any problems with him. And Vince, you know, just, we started out well in 85, but, uh, you know, then after I left, it was just, you know, he just, he takes digs, and and if you if you keep going with it, you'll just bury yourself, which I probably did. Mm. You know, just. Vince not very forgiving, in other words. No. Gotcha. To be fair to Vince, do you think that he had a right to be angry at with at you for walking out on him in 85? Well, I don't know because he changed the way that he did business too because there were so many guys dropping out, dying, overdosing, and, you know, just couldn't handle the, the travel. And, and there were, you know, we were running three crews in those days too, mm. so we were going everywhere. But, you know, I he learned from it and... uh I'm sure that, 
if I had participated more, we could have worked something out. But I, you know, I just, and I was there, and then I was just doing what I was doing, and never talked to me or anything. And I was just like, forget this. I'm yeah, with right. This. Yeah, and right. I'd rather go back home or something. So the WWE right now looks like Cody Rhodes is eventually going to be the face of this company. Um, I'm sure you. You've obviously had interactions with Dusty. Can you talk to us about Dusty, the wrestler, the promoter, and the person? Well, Dusty, I probably learned as much from Dusty as I did from Eddie. And one thing that I always did, you know, I watched all the matches, and that's something that Dusty told me. He said, watch all the matches, and you'll learn it. And I did, you know, it was just one of those things that I did also. You know, there's some guys that are out there doing it. There's some guys in the back playing cards, you know, all night. Uh, so maybe that was a difference. But but Dusty just, you know, he he was such an influence on me that I really can't, you know, give him enough credit because he was really outstanding. And, and as a friend and as a teacher, just an outstanding person. And Cody, you know, is a... He's a student of the business. He was with his dad, and his dad was running that little promotion down there, and it was basically Cody's. He was doing it to teach Cody, you know, how to do production and promos and wrestle and everything, and he did, and he learned, and uh, he, he caught on. He's a smart guy. Cody is. Do you, do, you, do you look at today's wrestling different than when you were growing up? I mean, do you... Do you consider like this being a joke at this point, or do you consider it being the evolution of what guys like yourself, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, created? Well, when I look at it now, and knowing what I know about the production too, I just don't know if I could do it. You know, I'm sure that I could, you know, because I did before. But now, just looking at it and thinking about it, and looking at all that goes into it. I mean, I watched Randy Orton memorize two sheets of promos and then go out there and just nail it. And it's like, God, I can't mm. remember one sentence, you know, and read it back like that. <laughs> yeah, it's and, difficult. But, uh, you know, they're, Cena was like that. Cena, you know, can see something and do it word for word right over. And, you know, there's just some things you're just not capable of doing, and there's some guys that are super capable. Do you think the business is better with these scripted scripts, or, or, I'm or say that right, or the ad libs, or, or has it lost its organic feel somewhat? I think it's lost the the real, you know, like the sporting feel of it because yeah. now it's more of an entertainment. You know, people watch it to see, you know, the drama of it instead of you know the actual wrestling. But and then there are some that watch it just for the wrestling, but. Uh, When I was raised and brought up in it, you know, it was wrestling was first. That's what it was called. Mm. So that's what I mainly studied. And, you know, I, I just don't think I could do it now. What do you think of all the flipping and the flopping? I mean, Rey Mysterio back in the day was the exception. Now everybody seems to do what Rey Mysterio does. Yeah. How does that make Barry Windham the traditional wrestler feel when he sees this? It's what the business has evolved to. And I don't know if it'll go back, you know, to the big guys, you know, giants fighting each other, you know, in blood baths and cage matches and stuff. Uh, 
I think with NBC owning it, it'll become even more generic. You know, it'll, you know, family content. Uh, it's just, it's such a different, such a different business. Is, is Vince McMahon's stepping down and selling the company good or bad for the future of pro wrestling? After all, Vince has contributed to the business. What do you think? It's in good hands with, with uh, Hunter okay. and Stephanie. Okay. You know, they're dedicated to it, and they, and he wants to continue it, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's really a good guy. This year they had the documentary on the Graham family. Mm. Um, it was clearly the angle was the suicidal tendencies of the entire family. When you look at the Graham family now, after your long relationship with Mike and your training and tutelage of Eddie, did you see that growing up, or is it something afterwards you're like, man, I just didn't see it, and this is what it, they were about? After Eddie did it, you know, Mike Mike was one of my best friends. We traveled together all the time, and we went boating and fishing and diving. Uh, Mike wasn't the same after his dad shot himself, but when his son did it, Mike was dead set on killing himself. He asked me more than a dozen times mm. if I had my gun in my truck, if I brought a gun with me, if I would loan him a gun, because his wife had taken all the guns out of the house. And, I mean, he, you know, he he was a serious alcoholic, and just a few drinks, you know, would make him loopy. And as soon as he would get drunk, you know, he would start talking, ah, fuck, why am I here? I'm going to kill myself. And I guess he just did it that night in October on in Daytona. You know, I got really good memories of Mike. You know, he was, like I said, he was one of my best friends. But just after his son had killed himself, when, and his son, I guess Mike had tried to get his son into the business and as a referee or whatever. And he never could, you know, just click. and never could find his spot to stick in. And he, he had a bad relationship with a girl, and, and he just shot himself. So I think that, I don't know if it was, you know, now that you mention it, I think that there's history that Eddie's father killed himself mm. too. So, I mean, those things you just don't know. They can be there. They can be in someone's mind and their and their psyche. I, I don't know, but just when, when he's asking you to borrow a gun, and you said a whole bunch of times that at any point did you get like angry at him? Like Mike, snap the f out of it! I, oh yeah, I mean I talked to Mike. So you tried as hard as you could to get through to him. What are you doing? I would hug him. It was just brutal. It was just a tough time on him. Mm. But I, I must have felt helpless. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. After the occurrence, do you feel like um, mm. suicide is selfish in a way? Leaving oh, yeah, friends. Absolutely. I was pissed off at him for five years after he did that. It must have been. You must know, have just. Why? Yeah. Why did you do that? Yeah. And, and there's no answer. That's the worst part. You're not going to get, you don't get an answer.
You got Wisteria Hall on stage. We were talking about, did you ever think that Barry Windham would be serenaded by uh, a bunch of 50-year-olds? <laughs> we'll have to see how this concert turns out. <laughs> so how, how did Rap is Crap come about? Like, wh- where, did that, where did that happen? Uh, Jimmy Hart and Kurt and I were sitting on the bus, and we were just, just shooting the breeze. And Kurt always wanted to be a cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Jimmy said to him, "Well, you could you could be the lead singer. We could call. We could, we could be a group." And, uh, I came up with the name, the West Texas Rednecks, and that 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 clicked. So, I mean, it was just a collaboration yeah. on the front seat of a bus just one afternoon. So, when this thing starts to explode, though, and they decide to put you in front of thirty thousand people, you're like, can, "Were you like, I can't do this?" Uh, or could you drum? I don't know. Were you a drum? I couldn't drum. They put me. towels on his drums. <laughs> yeah, I had the towels on the drum. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, this is our homage to the great Barry Windham. Everybody, Wisteria Hall, rap is crap. Hit it. I love country girls I like Willie Nelson Don't forget about Pearl There's only one thing that I hate Cause it's a bunch of crap I hate rap (laughs) I like NASCAR racing Richard Petty's still the king Some call me a redneck But you know, that's a beautiful thing. There's only one thing that I hate, cause it's a bunch of crap. I hate rap. Play it for it, man. There's only one thing that I hate, Cause it's a bunch of crap I hate rap One more time There's only one thing that I hate Cause it's a bunch of crap I hate rap What is it? Rap is crap One more time Thank you. Fantastic. Unbelievable. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever think you'd come on these interview shows and people would be playing music to you? <laughs> no. <laughs>